You are now listening to the Extra Point Podcast with Larry Mallory and Scott Farber. Scott Farber, and instead of giving you the long list of all the things he's accomplished, I'm just going to tell you my co-host, of course, is Larry Mallory, of course, a former New York Giant and the current president of the NFL's Players Association. So I had to get something in there, Larry. I feel like such a nothing burger all the time. (laughs) All right, so Tom Brady is going to his 10th Super Bowl out of the 55 Super Bowls we've had. So he's going, uh, This you know, he's 18% of the Super Bowls. That's an amazing statistic, isn't it? It definitely is. I mean, and, and, you know, for him to, this past weekend, for him to be 40, what, 43, 43. I think, isn't he? 43. Yeah, 40. No, I, I looked up some um, statistics. They said in 1967, the first Super Bowl ticket was $6. <laughs> and now the $1,700 to get a Super Bowl ticket. Well, you know, so, it's so much money, they won't be able to fill up this weekend. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. 22,500 people this week or uh, next weekend at the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. But Tom Brady, you know, is, is really making an impression on, on the entire game. I mean, first, you know, when they played Green Bay, the first thing came to my mind was that this was the two Bays playing. Tampa Bay is <laughs> yeah. playing Green Bay, right? right. So I thought, that was, I thought that was pretty odd. And then I looked at it and, and some of the same things that you talked about. But as I'm looking at the Tampa Bay uh, Green Bay game, I'm, I'm thinking, hmm, State Farm would really want Green Bay to win, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And Kansas City to win so that right. their commercial would be perfect <laughs> for right. the Super Bowl. <laughs> right, right. So those are some of the, the, the best, the interesting little statistics that came to my mind. So, so as a former NFL football player and you're watching the, uh, the NFC championship, you're worried about the advertising aspect. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Well, that's the impact that GBC TV has on you. You know, they, <laughs> they really make you pay attention to the management that's, side that's of the game. Fun. No, that's right. Now, now you, 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 you know, you mentioned, of course, Aaron Rodgers and uh, Brady. Aaron Rodgers statistically had a much better game uh, than Tom Brady did. Brady threw three interceptions. His quarterback rating um, was 73.8. Aaron Rodgers was 101.6. Um, did, 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 did Brady throw three interceptions or did, did Rodgers throw three interceptions? No, Brady threw three. Oh, really? Yeah, Rodgers threw one. Okay. I mean, Tampa Bay's defense really uh, uh, won this game, I think. Yeah, and especially with the speed of the defensive backs. they And it's going to be something similar with Kansas City, but the speed of the defensive backs to me was the difference. It didn't give – the type of space and distance that, you know, that Green Bay, uh, you know, usually can get through Aaron Rodgers. But if you look at it, Tampa has won three weeks in a row, all on the road. Right. Right. Now they'll be the first team in the history to ever be the host of a Super Bowl. That's, that's some, those are some amazing statistics. 
Right. In that game, Tampa Bay's first quarter and their first series was basically a, 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 a touchdown. Right. Green Bay's first series was not, not a touchdown. It was, it was almost like, though, Tampa Bay was in a better rhythm, a better emotion than Tampa Bay was. Well, I mean, you know, so why, when the game is over and Green Bay lost, so now everything's in flux with Rodgers for next year, why does something like that happen? The, the flux for Rodgers? Yeah, you know, what's he going to do now? If he would have won that game, he wouldn't have been saying, what am I going to do? Yeah, well, he's only 37. Right, and so we still that. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's we, still old in football. That is old. But I'm telling you, Tom Brady is just putting, from a quarterback perspective, he's putting some interesting features. I, 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 you know, I can look at that on both sides because who retired? Uh, I think. Um, Breeze did. Somebody, who did? Well, Breeze didn't retire, but they all say he's going to. That's right. Breeze is going to retire. Philip Rivers is thinking right. about leaving, you right. know, planning on retiring. And so from those perspectives, you know, and we talked about this, Scott, these new young quarterbacks are, are making the game better. The right. defensive linemen are more agile, right? They're taller. Right. And so even, even the, the Tampa Bay and Green Bay game, I noticed that Rodgers, the, the pressure from the uh, defensive line was so heavy on Rodgers, he had to start to move the pocket around. Right. He couldn't just drop back and do it because they were they were really coming in at him. So, but he's he good at moving the pocket though too. Yes. Yeah. And and when he starts, when he's not comfortable back there and has to start to move the pocket, that tells you that on the defensive side of the ball, they're feeling pretty good about things. Right. Yeah. Right. They're feeling better, you know, much better about things. So, it, it it's. Uh, I think the game, and we've talked about this, I believe the game is moving into this moving type of quarterback, the, the Patrick Holmes, Patrick Mahomes, the boy out in Arizona. Uh, those types of quarterbacks are, are changing the game, and they're changing it because of the versatility of these big defensive linemen. Right, right. If you're 6'5", and, you know, mobile, Jean-Pierre Paul with Tampa Bay. He used to be with the Giants, if you remember. Right, right. Um, he, had, he had a hell of a game. And is, they're more like forwards and centers in basketball than in the old days, like, you know, just big, big, monstrous guys. And so I think the speed of the game is changing also. The well, and that's why you see these quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, too. They throw the ball sidearm. They throw the ball underhand. They can't throw it, you know, they can't stand and throw a screen pass overhand or they have to lollipop it. You know, you and I had yeah. talked about that. When when a guy throws a lollipop to get a screen pass complete, that could be one or two steps for the defense, and that makes the whole difference in the world on a screen pass. Where where the uh, the kid in Buffalo, Josh Allen, he's as big as the lineman, so he can fling that uh, uh, little screen pass. You made a point on the last uh, time we had we talked, because when they have to do that lob. If you remember, uh, there was a lob done, and and the defensive back just cr crushed the the uh, right. running back because right. of the time it took to get the ball to him. So you're exactly right on that. And Josh Allen does have an advantage in that respect. Well, you know, and they always talk about defense winning the big games. Hmm. Um, and I think Tampa is more of a defensive team, 
Uh, Kansas City is, I guess, you know, very well-rounded, but they're really basically uh, an offensive team behind Mahomes. Now, mm -hmm. another interesting thing about the uh, Super Bowl game, Mahomes is 25 and uh, Brady is 43. That's right. That's so Brady was drafted when Mahomes was what four years old or something, or you know, this is Mahomes' second Super Bowl already, right. and he's only twenty-five years old. Yeah, yeah. And if you, if you remember I shared with you last Super Bowl how how congenial he was, how how supportive he was of of the public and stopping and talking to kids and signing autographs and talking to older people. Uh, Byron was recently at a, 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 a safely held function and Patrick Mahomes, for his grandson, and Patrick Mahomes' father was there. And he got a chance to meet his father and we're gonna try to have his father on a Zoom call if we can. Oh, that'd be, that would be great. Um, his father is probably as old as Tom Brady. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Won't be right. much older. You know, you know, and I look at Tom Brady and they show a picture of him at the compound when he was drafted last in the draft and everything. And he just had a very nondescript body. There was not really a, a lot of muscle tone like you would think for a quarterback. You, you know what I mean? And was he just a freak of nature? Was there something in him coachable that they didn't know about. How did this guy go from number 199 in the draft, Mr. Irrelevant on that year, to uh, arguably the greatest of all time? Well, I, I have a great perspective on that. And uh, number one, he had all of the talents. And like you said, the raw talents. He's, he wasn't a short guy. He was, you know, right about 6'2", six, 6'3", six, yeah, tall guy. Had a good arm, uh, good thinker, the whole nine yards. And he was placed in the arms of the best, one of the best coaches that he could have been placed in, with Bill Belichick. Uh, Belichick is a, um, he is cerebral in a right. physical game. That's, oh, that was pretty good, Larry. I like that. <laughs> All yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. You know, he was my coach earlier, and his perspective on things, even when I was holding field, field goals and extra points, he analyzed how to get it from 1.4 seconds to 0.9 seconds. Right. If you do this, you, you so he's, he was so analytical. And so for a young, talented guy or a young guy with talent to be able to uh, interact and, and be led by a guy of, of that type of thinking is, is, is that's, I think that's what led him there. He, he oh. reads well, even in the games we're seeing, they're showing, he's, they're showing his reading and his, how he's moving the defensive backs with his head. And those are some of the old school things that we would tell years ago, man. And now they're teaching them again. You know, it'd be interesting to talk to Belichick and ask him, you know, you know, let's go back 20 years, or, or I guess it is literally 20 years, and ask him what he saw with Brady and what did he do? I mean, because I know I remember you telling the story to me a couple of times about getting the, uh, uh, the extra point or a field goal kicked in a half a second faster and all by the spin of the ball and catching it so you don't have to spin the, uh, uh, the seams around. Yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, you know, from the mind of Belichick. 
So it'd be interesting to hear what he says about Brady and everything. All right, well, let's talk about the, uh, the kid who didn't make it, uh, Josh Allen with Buffalo. There's a kid who's 6'5", he can run with the ball, he could throw the ball, I think, 200 yards if he had to. But yet, to me, in the uh, AFC title game, he looked a little bit overwhelmed. Is that uh, nerves, inexperience, or what, what, what did you see when you watched him play in that game? Um, I saw uh, that's, that's a fantastic question, Scott, because what I saw was um, a defensive coordinator that realized that we have a super talented quarterback but has not seen everything and put in defenses. If you, I don't know if you remember this, but there were some times when um, the defensive back, um, the, uh, I forgot his name. Anyway, he was lined up on the left side of the field on the tight end side, and his responsibility was the flat on the other side. So, so they were showing him defenses and defensive setups that he had never seen before. Right. And so that's why he was throwing balls into double and triple coverage because he didn't see where he hadn't seen this type of defensive setup before. And so I think that is, it, it was not him at all. It was just the fact that they had a hell of a defensive plan. They locked down on the outside receivers. They had the safeties going. One safety might be in the right left zone covering the left forward zone, you know. So that's so what I think. Andy Reid uh, outsmarted the kid. Yeah, that's all it was. They and 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 the the, in fact, I had written it down that the defensive strategy was the impact on Josh Allen, right? Because you you don't have a time you don't have a time, Scott, when you line up on the left side of the ball and then you get an interception because you had to run all the way across the field to get the other flat. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. So that's all it was. I think Josh. Uh, uh, actually, he showed that his mobility, not only is he a good quarterback in a dropback situation, but he's a very, very mobile quarterback. And he is a Patrick Mahomes type guy at 6'5". Right, right. Now, if yeah. Mahomes wins this Super Bowl, are we going to start hearing, uh, when, when will we start hearing about he's got to be considered one of the greatest of all time? Well, you know, usually the greatest, the, the, the way that they level or, 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 or you know, define the greatest of, of, of anything is by the numbers. Right. So if he keeps putting up those kind of numbers, he's already put up, if he wins the Super Bowl, he's already put up numbers that are exceptional. Right. But if his numbers exceed the numbers, then that will happen. One thing I am seeing happening, though, in – NFL research and stuff. And, you know, we talked about the number of dead gentlemen. I was going to share that with you, but, right, right. but what I'm seeing in NFL research is that they are, they are making comparisons in terms of the statistics as it relates to what was going on in that era. Right. In other words, Johnny United's only played 14 games. You know, these guys are playing 16 games. Right. Um, you can't, you can't, it, it's almost like you can't, make a straight comparison on the greatest of all times, but you can use the, the statistics to define where they are in category. Well, what, what's going to happen, I think, eventually is we're going to define greatest of an era. 
because, because the game is changing so much. And it's, you know, Johnny Unitas did not quarterback like Patrick Mahomes does. I mean, you know, uh, you know, it was very different. Um, and, and then, uh, you know, the equipment, everything, it's a very different game. So it's really hard to say the greatest of all time. And what happens, what I don't like what happens, and it happens in all sports, is that, you know, when you, when you talk to younger people, they don't, they don't remember a lot of the greats, you know. So if you don't see them play or, you know, you don't really know about them. So it's always the current guy. Yeah. To me, the only player in sports that it's going to be hard to knock off the greatest of all time pedestal is uh, Babe Ruth. And the only reason I say that is because his numbers match in the greatest of all time with home runs and with bat career batting average. <clears throat> you know, his career batting average was so much higher than Bonds or even Aaron's, you know, and they all hit, you know, over 700 homers. But Babe Ruth also won like 94 games as a pitcher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. until, you know, so when my son tells me all about Mike Trout, I always say once Mike Trout wins 94 games as a pitcher, then I can put him in the discussion that he might be better than Babe Ruth, you know. Yeah. But, but in all the other sports, it's really hard, you know, to pick, you know, right now Michael Jordan is still the greatest of all time. But he's gotten so much pushback with Kobe Bryant, uh, who his passing was one year ago yesterday, yeah. which is unbelievable to me. And of course, LeBron James, there's always going to be another great superstar coming along to do the pushback. And I think in football, especially, you know, the other thing too, that, that, that I always talk about when I look at Jordan, you know, being the greatest of all time, he went to the finals six times won all six and was the MVP in all six. You know, mm -hmm. LeBron has a losing record in the finals. Mm -hmm. a losing, no, not a losing record, but he's lost, he's lost several times in the finals. Um, and then I look at somebody like Brady, he's six and three. Wasn't Montana like four and oh and, and uh, 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 the guy in Pittsburgh, the announcer, uh, he's four and zero, you know, in in the uh, championship. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you Not know, in, who, no, 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 no. The uh, the, the announcer now on uh, before the game, he was Pittsburgh's quarterback back in your day. Oh, uh, Terry Bradshaw. Thank you. I went yeah. brain dead. Terry Bradshaw <laughs> is four and zero. Brady uh, is six and three. You know, in the Super Bowl. And he got very lucky in that fight in the in the game against Seattle when they were on the one yard line with no time left and Seattle scores, they win the game. And if not, Brady won. So Brady could eat, you know, and they threw that interception on the one yard line. So Brady got the Super Bowl win. So he could easily be uh, five and four. You know, so I mean, does that have an effect if Mahomes keeps winning Super Bowls? How many does he win before he starts getting the recognition? Well, well, first I have to start with the fact that, uh, uh, you know, I played my last years with the 49ers. And uh, you named a lot of great quarterbacks, but Joe Montana is the only quarterback that is 4-0 with, without any interception. He didn't have an interception in his uh... – In his Super Bowl. Well, well that's what I'm saying. 
Now, right. if I say if I say to my son something about Joe Montana, he's going to say who? That's you right. you know that's what right. I mean? That's so right. That that's so, what that's what happens, you know, and that's why it's so hard to pinpoint. I think everything's got to be generational when you talk about the greatest. Well, you know, we we bring up Joe Montana, but on on the other side of that, in the old days, and that that's why what you're saying I think is so relevant. In the old days before, especially before 93, a wide receiver had to earn his way off the line. He just, we could get on the line, you could go bump and run, and it was a fight. Right. From the time. We could put our hands on you, you know. So it was a fight. Nowadays, you, you, it's almost like you can't touch these receivers. So if you're fast like Tyreek Hill and these kind of guys, they, they, they're making everybody look like, you know, they're, right, they're right. crazy. You can't, you can't knock them anymore. Yeah. So you, you're so right about the errors. Right. And, the, and, and what's amazing about all of this to me is that it still comes back to capitalism. Right. In the old days, <laughs> in the old days, <laughs> in the old days, you know, you have a 7-3 game or a 14-10 game. People don't want to see that anymore. Right. They want to see the 35s and 45s and right. those kind of games, you know, right. Right. To, to keep people in the stands. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's uh, – I, I, I did a little research on the Super Bowl, and I found some, you know, interesting things. One was about Peyton Manning, you know, it's from Tennessee. He was the only quarterback to win Super Bowls with two different teams, with Denver and the Colts. Uh, Chuck Howley from the Dallas Cowboys, he was the only player ever to be named the most valuable player on the losing team. Right. Yeah, yeah so I thought those are some uh, – only only one Super Bowl game has ever gone into overtime, and that was the New England uh, uh, beat the Falcons 34-28. Right, right. Um, and, the, and the most important one over Miles Scott, really, and, and I did a lot of research. I stayed up all night for this because of – gbctv.net has always given me these opportunities. And so in 1985, the 1985 Chicago Bears are the only NFL team to be nominated for a Grammy Award for the best rhythm and blues performance by a group. The Super Bowl Shuffle, if you remember. <laughs> I've got the DVD. What do you mean if I remember? That's right. <laughs> so... Okay, oh, now I'm going to give you another fun fact on that Super Bowl shuffle. They taped that the day after they lost to Miami. The only game they lost that year. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah, they did taped that the day after they lost my, to Miami. Did you do the taping of it? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, no, <laughs> I, I, I didn't. But uh, but I remember when it all took place. Mm -hmm. I tell you, things are different. I, I did a little research too, and and this was an interesting point, but I just couldn't understand it. And then last night, late, I understood it. Uh, each 2020 Super Bowl team receives uh, received 108 footballs from Wilson from the Wilson Football Factory, right. Right. and this was put online by Kristen Peterson Loman, who's the vice president of Wilson Football, right? So they use 54 footballs to work out before the game right. and 54 footballs for the game. Right. Well, 
she was amazed. The company was amazed because in typical years of the of the Super Bowl, usually the teams get 120 footballs. So she was wondering why they're getting less footballs nowadays. The answer never came out, but I just thought that was such a unique uh, perspective. I've never even thought about all the footballs you need for practice, you know, and and then for the game. Now, yeah. aren't the kicking footballs different than the uh, offensive footballs? Uh, in some cases, they are because the quarterback gets the footballs, he, the three or four footballs he wants, you know, during that time. Right, right. Some, some of them put a little stick them on the football, you know, to keep right, it in right. their hand. Some of, them, some of them in the old days used to take a little air. Yeah, know, yeah, yeah. In the old days, you mean Tom Brady? <laughs> that's right. That's right. Take a little air out, and the kicker wants the air back in that football. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But yeah, it's some interesting statistics on the Super Bowl. And yeah, yeah. I think no, we no. Two good teams. On there. All right. So let's talk about this Super Bowl that's coming up. Um, Kansas City and Tampa. And where, 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 where are you? If you were a betting man, where are you betting? Well, I'm, I'm betting on Kansas City. I, if I were a betting man, I would bet on Kansas City, um, only because uh, two 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 key things for me. Many of the games that Kansas City wins, they start off behind, so they're not they're not weak. They don't get bent right. because right. someone scores on them. You know what I mean? Right, right. And and then they have such an innovative coaching staff, and to me, this coaching staff makes adjustments not for the whole game, but by each quarter. Right, right. Now, one thing I'd like for you to notice in these games, and this is different than my era, every time a player on that field does something, the first thing you see them do is look up. Because the big screens, in other words, technology is now so intrusive in, in, in football, it sped the game up, it makes you think differently. When each quarterback comes to the sidelines, the first thing he does is get an iPad to see what's happening and see what people are doing. So that's why you have to change defenses and change the, the, you know, your strategy. It's more cerebral now than it's ever been. And when you add the type of skill sets that these young guys, especially with speed and power, bring into the game, you've really created a, you know, a, a high-speed hitting thing, hitting situation. You know, you know, that's so true. But you know what's so funny to me? It's still drop back and throw the ball before you get tackled or sacked. And it's catch the ball and don't fumble while they're trying to rip it out of your hands. You know what I mean? The basics of the game are still the basics of the game. Catch and no, run, don't fumble. Run through the hole, don't fumble. Well, that, that you, that's a perfect example. Uh, in fact, who was it? I think Buffalo, somebody's defense uh, was defensive backs were too far back. The, the reason that you get the ball out quick is because that's what the defense is giving. Right. And that's what I'm saying. Drop back. Look, look who was in that championship game. The drop back guys, if they don't get that ball out of their hand quick, they have an issue. Right. Then when you start to go up on them, they can always hit you going first. So it's still, it, it's, it's a, a, a defensive, it's, it's the reaction to the defense. So if your defense is making adjustments now, in our day, we make adjustments by the halftime. You go into halftime, you right. talk about what happened. You could, we didn't have a big screen to see what just happened or a quarterback looking at the thing. Now, you, you have to make adjustments on a regular basis because it's, 
each each team, the offense and the defense, is making adjustments as to what you do. There's been more twelve men on the field calls, right, than than ever before during the playoffs because you're constantly putting in the players that you think can work best in that kind of situation. Now, now let me ask you. And I guess this is more in college than in the pros, but mm -hmm. I just don't understand. You know, when they when they make a change, when the offense makes a change. They let the defense make a change then. And then the official doesn't let you snap the ball until the defense has made their change. And I have seen teams get have to call a timeout because the, you know, you know, the clock uh, is going to run out on them and they're going to be get the five-yard penalty. And I've seen that happen too because the, the change comes in. They take their time because the clock is running down on the offense. What is that about? That, that's how the game is evolving. Now, check this out. That's why you're seeing more defensive back numbers at the linebacker position. Mm -hmm. Because if I can put somebody in there that not only can speed rush you, tackle you, but run with you too, I don't have to make a change. You follow me? So right. when, you see, when you see changes now, it's almost a change not from the play or for what I want to do. It's the personnel. Yeah. If the offense puts in a certain amount of different personnel, then you have to respond to that personnel. Now, Larry, did you ever get to the playoffs or no? No. Oh, yeah, because I, I was wondering if you did, what that feeling of uh, exhilaration would have been like to know well, that you made the playoffs. We, we never got to the playoffs in the NFL. Right. Uh, but in the WFL, we actually had the best team in the league. And with Larry Zonka, Jim Kick, and Paul Warfield. Right. And, and, and Danny White. Danny White was on that team as well. Right. And uh, we, we got to, we were going to the championship, but the, the, the entire league fold. So you're going to the championship and they fold before the championship game. Right. Well, for the championship, the championship series, the entire series. We had gotten to the second level, basically. And everybody knew, you know, we were the team, team that drew the crowd. Zonka Kicking Warfield had just had the 17-0 season in Miami. Right. And left, and left the league and came to the new league. And right. so each, each time we would go to a stadium, it would fill up just to see those three guys. Right. So they were 17-0, and and what was your record before you came there? I was at Tennessee State. See, I came there oh, out of college. Oh, that's right. You went, you went there first before the NFL. Yeah. Okay, Tennessee State, your record was good. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah, That's yeah. Right. Okay, okay. I, I was just I was poking a little fun at the Giants, but you weren't there yet. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. <laughs> um, I can't believe that though. It folded <clears throat> during the championship. They couldn't make it to the end of the season, huh? Why is it that it doesn't look like any other league is ever going to make it? Does it? Uh, well. Uh, you know, that's actually a, a, an American business conversation because I, th this might be the only monopoly of one of the few monopolies, let's say. I might, there might be some other ones I'm not aware of. But it is truly a monopoly. You just can't own a team outright. I mean, they vote to see if you can. <laughs> this is a monopoly. And, and at the end of the day, I don't see how it can make any adjustments. All right, so who are you picking in the game? I'm picking uh, uh, Kansas City. It's really a it's really a tough pick for me. I've never 
you know, I kind of, you know, we talk about in sports, everybody has a team you root for, but more often you root against certain teams and whatnot. And I've always rooted against Brady, perhaps because as a Bear fan, I never got to enjoy the team really winning other than in 85, you know, and Brady, it's like every other week. Um, but I found myself really pulling for him this year. And so I'm, I'm excited for him to be there. So I think I'd be with, happy with either team winning. I think Tampa has a chance because of their defense. But that Mahomes and Andy Reid behind all of it are going to be really tough to beat. So, you know, I, I kind of uh, – uh, I, I go with you picking Kansas City, but it wouldn't be surprising if Tampa won. But I think it's going to – I think Andy Reid's going to get to celebrate with another cheeseburger. Isn't that what he – Said he was going to go do last year. That's what he's saying. Just have a cheeseburger. So uh, I'm with him on that. I would too. So I'm going with him. All right, you're looking at stats now. I see your glasses are on. Did you pull up another stat? Well, no. I just want to talk about the fact that I think that if they can get Antonio Brown back, you know, he was injured during the last game. Right. Uh, because he, you know, he and Brady have a, a, a good relationship, and he and Gronkowski, Brady and Gronkowski, have a good relationship. And so I think that if he comes back, that's going to put a lot of pressure on the um, Kansas City defense. Right. But he had a pretty good injury. I'm not sure if he's going to play in this game or not. I don't think he is. You know, it's really going to come down to stops. Can you stop Kansas City two times in a row? Mm -hmm. You know, can you stop Brady? I think they'll be able to stop Brady more than they'll be able to stop Mahomes. You know, so I think that's why I think Kansas City is going to win. Because when I see Mahomes being pulled down by a shirt, but yet he still flings a pass sidearm on a bullet, you know, 15 yards downfield, right, on, right in a perfect spot, that's, you know, for a first down, it's hard to beat that. It deflates the defense when he does that too. That's that's the key. It it deflates it. It pisses you off. You don't know if you're going to go in low or high or where you're going to go. Yeah, you know we're we're getting off the field in three. Maybe not. (laughs) Maybe not. All right, Cindy's telling me it's time for us to go away. So Larry, we'll do it again very soon, man. And uh, um, we got we got. you know, we got a week off on this Sunday, and then uh, we got some time. We'll probably get together one more time before the big game. I look forward to it, Scott. I just wanted to reinforce, though, the fact that, you know, you and your family and GBC TV, the reason that I'm dressed like this is because, you know, we talked a lot about saving lives with, with different masks and the things that we have, but you also reinforced to me a lot about unity in the state of Texas. And so... Yeah, I just want to say thank you for everything that you all are doing and thank you for capturing the histories of families because those are the things that really are bringing love into family homes right now. Well, no, I thank you and that is very true. And the sports is creating history and it's been a great thing, especially for the guys that really get into the sports. It gives us something to look forward to and do, you know. I'm always saying to my wife, what are we doing tonight? And she always laughs at me. She goes, what do you want to do? (laughs) Well, just in closing, our hats off to the 133 guys that have passed away. Um, 
from the NFL. These are the stories I was telling you about yesterday. With all 133 them. guys. When did they pass away? Just in when? 2020. In 2020. 2020. How many are left from your era, Larry? How many? How many guys? Former guys from that played before '93. I'm left? not sure on that number. This is a. This was produced by the Professional Football Researchers Association. So now there's a group of doctors that's looking into those kind of numbers, and I have access to those doctors. So they're constantly sending me this type of information, and I'll bring it up uh, to you on the next session. 133 passed away uh, in 2020. Mm -hmm. Wow. There, there's, you know, people will be surprised. There's not that many NFL guys, former guys that have played, still around. And Scott, they have it in alphabetical order, and the first name is recognizable, Herb Adler. Yeah. You remember yeah. Herb Adler? Yeah. He goes, so, and then it, it's, it just goes on and on and on. So. Yeah, that's a, that's a sad list. All right, man. Take care of yourself. Right. Stay healthy, and we'll see you soon. Thanks so much for watching. Please make sure you like and subscribe right here to our YouTube channel. And if you enjoyed, please share with your friends. And if you want to see our collection of hundreds of stories told by the people who live them, please head on over to gbctv.net. Thanks so much.